Hey, welcome to the Project Church podcast. My name is Caleb Cole. I'm the lead pastor here at Project Church in downtown Sacramento. And we're so glad that you came to hear this word. We believe this is going to encourage you, build you up, and give you life. So get ready to receive a message from God. Good morning, church. How we doing? Good to see you. If you hadn't heard yet, even though I think every one of our team up here said it, we are talking about ridiculous faith. How many of you believe in that you're going to have greater faith in 2021 than you did in 2020? I'm believing that for us, for our church, for our future. Uh, man, I'm so excited for these 21 days of fasting and prayer. Make sure you jump in on that. I believe that's going to help build your faith. But then also, I want you to see what we're doing in this series because I cannot emphasize enough how important this series is going to be. So check this out. This is the breakdown of what we're going to do in these five weeks. You're not going to want to miss one. So we're talking about ridiculous faith today. Next week, training faith. Week three, coaching faith. Week four, which is our vision Sunday, overflowing faith. And then week five, fading faith. And so make sure you don't miss a week. Online, what's up to our online audience? Make some noise for the online people. Come on. Over half our church is still showing up online. Um, and not in person, and we, we love you guys, we miss you, hopefully this all ends very soon, um, and we can get back to being in here, I, I mean, let's be real, it's been electric in this room, but can you imagine when we pack this place out, and we don't have to worry about a virus anymore, and we just are worshiping together, we're going to blow the roof off this place, we might have to buy a new building, come on, but man, I believe that in 2021, God wants us in Project Church to bring faith back. You know, a couple years back, Justin Timberlake brought sexy back. But in Project Church in 21, we're bringing faith back, okay? Because we've been walking in a season of, I believe, diminishing faith. I think a lot of people in the church, um, outside of the church are losing belief in anything. They're losing hope. They're, le they're losing faith. And I was thinking about myself and, man, like, what do I want people to characterize me as? Like, what do I want my family to say about me? What do I want my kids to say about me? What do I want my, my wife to say about me? I want the people that know me to say, Caleb walks by faith. That Caleb is a man of faith. And I want you to think about that for your life. What do people think about when they think about you? Do they characterize you as a person of faith? Now, here's the problem. I think that a lot of believers are living and are living in this day and age safe. We're just living to be as safe as possible. I think no more than right now in the season that we're walking in. You want to know why? Because fear will tell us to always play it safe. Now, I'm not saying I don't believe this virus is real, so everybody calm down. I know some of you like, oh, he does, he's one of those. I believe it's real. But I also believe that we cannot live our lives dictated or led by fear. We have to live our lives led by faith. My grandfather, he used to say something. I actually got a chance to work with him for the last 18 months of his life. He was a hero in the faith, a hero of mine, um, built multiple churches in his lifetime, and very influential and he used to say, the reason we don't see miracles today is because we never step out and give God an opportunity to work a miracle. You see, sometimes people are asking, they're saying like, why don't we see God move anymore? Why don't we see miracles anymore? The reason we don't see them is because we never step out of the boat and try to walk on water. 
You're not going to see a miracle if you don't give God an opportunity to work a miracle. If you play your life and live your life in a safe way, making sure that everything makes sense all the time, you won't see miracles. But when you step out, then there's an opportunity for God to show up. So a lot of us have set 2021 goals, resolutions. How many got some goals? Got some resolutions? Make some noise. Um, you, you're excited for 21. I love 21. I, or I love New Year's. And I'm excited for 2021, maybe more than ever. And I think that a lot of us have set goals. Uh, we've set resolutions because we want to know where we're going. We want to. And I'm, I'm encouraged by and I'm glad you've set those because I've set some goals, some objectives, some dreams. But I want to tell you, we only have so much control in where we end up. At the end of the day, we have to trust God with the results. You can do your part. You can step out. You can set a goal. You can set dreams. But God is ultimately in control. And that's where the faith comes in. That we trust God. We do our part, but we trust God to do his part. So I want to talk to you about ridiculous faith today. Ridiculous, this word, means extremely silly. Everybody say silly. Or unreasonable. It is absurd or preposterous. Now this is a great word, preposterous. This preposterous faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not yet seen. So I've read this verse a lot of times. I've studied this verse. But as I looked at it this week, and I want you to look at it, God hit me with something new. He actually told me, he said, Caleb, hope is the fuel of faith. He said, Caleb, hope is the gasoline that makes faith go. And the reason there is a diminishing faith and people are lacking faith right now, is because they've lost hope. This 2020 sapped and drained our hope. Some of you have lost hope in something you're walking through. And God wanted to remind us that hope is what fuels our faith. We need a people full of hope in this room because that's how you walk out ridiculous faith. So those of you that have stopped hoping, it's time to hope again. So I want to talk to you about the story of Abraham. Um, he starts with the name Abram. And uh, if you know anything about Abraham, you know that, that God began his people group through this man. And I want to set up, because I've actually started my Bible reading plan again. I'm in the book of Genesis. I read the Bible through in a year, every year. And uh, I'm in Genesis right now. And I was actually thinking about it because we sometimes don't understand what, why God had to pick a group of people and start with a man. You see, God creates Adam and Eve. And right away, Adam and Eve sin. Sin enters the world. God says, you can eat any tree, any fruit, but not from this one tree. They eat of the one tree. The one tree. And, and, and immediately sin enters the world. They're aware of their shame and their nakedness. And then the people of, of humanity begin a downward spiral to where things get so bad on the earth that God says, I got to press the restart button. And I know you guys don't like this. I don't even like it. But God says, I got to flood the earth. I got to wipe these people out because they are literally destroying the planet and each other. And so he sends a flood, 
wipes out all of humanity, but saves one family in Noah. Noah's a man of faith, builds the ark, um, which was a, a big act of faith to build a boat when it never rains. And people mocked him, and they didn't understand him until it started raining. Then they understood but it's this moment where then God begins to, you know, uh, Noah and his family begin to replenish the earth. But God says, I have to save them from themselves. Because what happened is going to happen again. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to send my son to save all of humanity so they don't destroy themselves. And so that they have a future, a future of life and not of death. But he says, I have to do it through a people group. And I have to set the example for what my relationship looks like with man through one group of people. And so he chooses this man, Abraham, to start the line of Israel. Jesus comes through this line, and then Jesus saves the world. And so he starts with Abraham, and that's where we come to. Hebrews 11.8 says this, by faith, everybody say faith. Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was going to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, watch this, not knowing where he was going. He went out not knowing where he was going. This is ridiculous faith. This is the faith that I want to challenge you with today. That he didn't know and yet he still was willing to go. So if you take nothing else home, take this. You don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. And I think some of you have not understand the things that God has done in your life, the place you're in right now. You don't understand why you're walking through the situation or the circumstance you found yourself in. You don't know why there's been a pandemic. You don't know why um, your marriage is struggling. You don't know why all these things. But God wanted to tell you, you don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. God is looking for ridiculous faith. And ridiculous faith walks in obedience no matter what. So let me read Genesis 15, 1 through 6. I want to give you a little more of this story. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Here's the key. And he believed the Lord. And he counted it to him as righteousness. God chose Abram. Abraham was not the likely candidate. He was actually a backwoods country boy. We got any country boys in the house, country girls? You grew up in the country? Come on, own it. Be proud about it. Raise your hand. A few of you. I guess we got more city folk up in Project Church in downtown. He came from an idol-worshiping family. Idol worship was what was his legacy. And here he is, a 90-year-old man. With no child, which in this day meant you were cursed. In this day, your wife wasn't fruitful, you weren't fruitful. It meant that God hated you. 
That's how they saw it. And God says, I'm going to choose you. You see, God specializes in choosing those who others would consider a nobody. That came from the wrong background, the wrong side of the tracks, the wrong side of the town. They came with a bad legacy. And some of you are here and you're changing legacies in this room. You see, that's ridiculous faith. That you believe what's happened before you does not have to be what's going to happen after you. That you believe what your parents did is not what your children will do or what you will do. Ridiculous faith first believes it. Everybody say, believe it. You see, fear sees problems, but faith sees possibilities. I want to be a person that sees the possibilities, not the problems. Verse 5 and 6 says, he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven. Number the stars. If you are able to number them, then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord. You know, I'm a golfer now. I grew up, I was a basketball player, but then I got old. And, uh, and, and, you know, you can't run as fast, jump as high, shoot as well. And so now I'm a golfer. And uh, I, golf dur- I golf during this pandemic as much as possible. I'm unashamed about it. I told our board the other day, I just want you all to know I'm going to keep golfing. They said, okay, God has not asked me to give up golfing for 21 days of prayer. And uh, I don't plan on it unless you want me to, Lord, I will. But I, he hasn't said it yet. And so I've been golfing a lot during this pandemic. Here's one thing I realized about golf. Golf, the designers of courses design it so that your eye sees the problems. So when you step up to the tee, they design the courses so that your eye goes to the water, the sand trap, the hazard, the fences. Your eye goes to all the places that you shouldn't go. But here's the thing about it. There's usually only two, maybe three problems in a giant fairway of possibilities. And yet what we do mentally is we get up to the T, and this is how you stand, all right? And we get up there. I'm not going to show you my golf swing. It's too pretty. You guys aren't ready. But you get up there, and you take your swing and as you're about to take your swing you want to visualize things but what most golfers do is they get up there they're about to hit it and they think don't hit it left don't hit it in the water don't hit it in the sand don't go right they think about all the problems and then they take the club back and when they hit it guess what happens it goes to the place that they fixated on and so what I've learned is in golf now when you get up there to hit what you have to focus on is the right possibilities. I mean, you got a 100-yard wide fairway, but all you can think about is that water 100 yards to the right. You see, it's about believing in the possibilities, not in the problems. So what does Abram do? God says, I want you to go outside. I want you to look at the stars. That's how numerous your children are going to be. He says, if you can even number them. Well, I actually researched it. You know how many stars there are in our galaxy that we can see? They say there are about 100 million stars. Now, we don't see them because of light pollution. But if you've ever gone out to the woods, you've gone up to the mountains, and you look up, suddenly you see thousands upon thousands of stars. And God said to Abram, if you can even count them, that's how numerous your descendants are going to be. But here's the thing. There were 100 million possibilities. 
But Abram had one big problem. The problem was he was old. The problem was his wife was all dried up. The problem was things weren't working the way they were supposed to be working. The problem was they were not able to have children. That was the problem. Let's move on. The possibility. I said it better in the 9 a.m. Oh, Lord, help me. Help us, Lord. One big problem, but 100 million possibilities. And Abram had a choice, and you have a choice today. Are you going to fixate on the one problem, that one big problem in your life? Or are you going to look at all the possibilities God can do with your life? Some of us can't take our eye off that one big problem. And I want to tell you right now, believing it, ridiculous faith believes it, it fixates on the possibilities. And I'm telling you, with God, there's always more possibilities than there are problems. And yet too many of us are holding on to the problems. We're fixating on the problems. We got those problems. And I want to tell you right now, some of you are holding on and fixating on the problem. My marriage is broken. It's never going to get better. You're fixating on the problem. My, my bank account is never going to be blessed. You're fixating on the problem of, of this pandemic is never going to be over. And I want to tell you right now, there are far more possibilities than there are problems. Let me tell you, you don't, you can't, your marriage won't just get better. It can be thriving. It can be flourishing. You won't just get a little bit of a better job to get in your bank account. You're going to be blessed with an overflow. I believe there are so many more possibilities than problems. All we got to do is believe it and wait on God. It doesn't always come in our timing. But I'm here to tell you, God is faithful. You see, ridic ridiculous faith believes it. Second, ridiculous faith walks it because fear is reactive but faith is proactive faith steps out fear reacts to whatever comes at us my son um we were sledding over Christmas we actually were up in Tahoe for Christmas we've rented a house for the last few years in Truckee and we were up there with my whole family and um, we, were, we were sledding next to our house, which my wife doesn't like. She didn't want us to do it because there's trees everywhere. But, you know, I, got, I started with two boys. I'm the oldest uh, of four kids, and it was me and then my brother, and I had two sons to start. And so, you know, when you're, when you're boys, you're just a little more reckless. How many of you know? And so we're out there, and I built this sledding track, weaving through the trees. And how many know there's a difference between ridiculous and reckless? And so I, I built this track, and it was a little ridiculous, but we weren't being reckless. I was telling my kids, hey, when you go down the track, you got to use your hands and feet to steer yourself and slow yourself down. And so we've been sledding for about an hour, and they were doing it. It was ridiculous, but it wasn't reckless. We were using our hands and feet. We were going around the trees. We were good for an hour straight. Well, then my middle child, my seven-year-old son, who is my reckless child, decided I'm going to just lay back, hands and feet in, and let it take me. 
So after an hour of sledding, he sits down, he lays back, he tucks his hands and feet in and just goes. And I'm like, God, I'm yelling out, put your feet down. You know, guide yourself. Use your hands. Nope, he just lay back. He was like, I'm trusting in the Lord. And that sled went off track, flew off this ledge, and in the air, he smacked his head on the side of a tree. Whap! Thought he was dead. I went running over there. He's laying there, not moving. I roll him over, and he's like, ow. He was good. We put some peas on it. He was good to go like five minutes later. But you know there's a difference between reckless and ridiculous. You see, I'm not saying that we live reckless, but I am saying that faith often makes us do what is ridiculous. It makes us step out when others would mock us for it or say that doesn't make any sense or don't understand it. Abraham's life was characterized and grounded by faith. He stepped out in faith, and God actually asked him, he says, I want you to leave your family, and I want you to go. You don't know where you're going, but I want you to go. Now, he could have followed his father, and in this text, we actually see that his father goes out, and he could have gone with his father. His father was going to a town, a town that was characterized and known for idol worship. He could have followed his father. I mean, that would have been the realistic thing to do, to know where he was going, to know what's in, in store for them in a town, to know what would happen in that town. And yet God says, no, I want you to go, and you don't know where you're going to go, but I want you to trust me. And I believe that as a result, he changes his legacy. Because imagine he'd followed his father to a town of idol worship. Maybe, just maybe, Abram would have fallen into the same idol worship that his father had done and his father before him had done and his forefather before him had done. But he was changing his legacy as some of you are in this place today. You see, reckless faith means sometimes you got to step out of something, but it also means that maybe sometimes you got to step back into something. Maybe you got to stay in something. Maybe you got to stay in that marriage and believe that it's going to get better. Maybe you got to stay in that job because that is where God has placed you right now. Maybe you got to stay in that friendship even though they're a, a, a EGR, extra grace required kind of person. But God has said, no, I need you to speak life into them. You see, sometimes the, the ridiculous faith thing is to step out, but sometimes it's to stay in. To stay in what God has called you to do. You see, so many of us, we want insurance, not just assurance. You know the difference? Like, I'm guessing Abram's like, God, I need some insurance here. You asked me to step out, like, I, I get the assurance thing, like, yeah, you got me. But I need some insurance, like, what's the backup plan? If he had followed his father, that was insurance. He had help. He had support. He knew the towns that they'd gone to before. But God is saying, no, I'm just giving you assurance. Abram got up and went not knowing where he was going. You see, God gave me a word for our church in 2017, and that word was breakthrough. And God said, this is going to be your year of breakthrough. And, and, and Time and time again, um, breakthrough was something that we needed in our church, that we've been struggling with in our church. But that was the beginning of us as 
your pastors and of our church, we begin in the year of breakthrough to believe for a building. In 2017, I told our church, we need to start raising some money for a building. And everyone's like, well, where's the building? I was like, I don't know. But we need you to give because this is our year of breakthrough. And let me tell you, it took a year of our church giving faithfully to a building they did not see. That we asked ourselves to give sacrificially for a building that we didn't know where it was. But when the time came, at the end of 2017, beginning of 2018, and we found the building, and we said, here it is. We had the money to put down so we could buy the building by faith. It took faith to believe for what we couldn't see. You see, ridiculous faith walks it out. It steps out. It believes for that which maybe doesn't make sense in the moment. In Hebrews 11.1 1 and Romans 4.21, it, it, it references the story of Abraham. And it shows us that Abraham knew it would happen. Not because he saw the logical progression to accomplish the promise. But because he believed in the one who made the promise. My challenge to you in 2021 is that you would start this year not stepping out in faith because it makes sense, but stepping out in faith because you're trusting in the one who's promised you things in your life, who's promised our church things. You see, 2020 was a tough year, wasn't it? And we actually just did, read through this study with our church or with our staff, and what the study said is that less people are attending church right now than ever in America's history, percentage-wise, that in the last year, more people have walked away from the church than ever before. They've walked away from watching online. They've walked away from attending in person. That millennials, at astronomical numbers, have left the church. And I believe that, that so many are looking at this and they've lost hope. But God is telling me, no, you need to hope again. You want to know why? Because what we've seen around the country is not what we've seen in this church. 2020 was the best year financially in the history of our church. Somebody give God some praise. 2020 was a year we finished a building in the middle of a pandemic. 2020 was a year we've seen more engagement online, more people meet Jesus, and now people coming back when everyone says that they wouldn't. So what I'm believing is 2021, I'm having ridiculous faith. Why? Because I haven't lost hope. And I'm going to walk it out. And I'm going to every step of the way say, God, I'm trusting in you. It's why at the end of 2020, when God put it on my heart and said, I want you to give the entire end of the year offering away. I want you to know, last year, the end of your offering was around 40, pushing $50,000. And that money was important for our church to handle in-house things. And I knew that this was a step of faith. And, and my dad even told me this morning, Caleb, I didn't think we would even get close to this number. But I want to tell you, when God put it on our heart and said, I want you to take this offer, I want you to give it all away. We said, all right, God, Why? Not because it's reckless, because it's ridiculous. Because the faith step is always matched by a God move. And God has moved in the hearts of our church. We've already given over $60,000 to the year-end offering, and I believe we'll eclipse the $67,000 goal probably by tomorrow. That's what I believe. And we got more videos coming next week because you're going to see all the money we're giving away. Come on. Who's excited? How amazing was that with City of Refuge? 
ridiculous faith walks it. And then finally, ridiculous faith focuses on it. See, I want you all right now to say, focus. I told this story before, but I played basketball in college. And uh, in our gym, there was a season ticket holder that every time I would step to the free throw line, it would get quiet in our home gym. And it wasn't a huge gym. It was a small Christian college. But we usually had around like thirteen to 1,500 people in the gym, you know, packed in. It was always full. And the gym would get silent when the home team was shooting the free throws. And every time I'd step to the line, I don't know why he did it for me. I guess he thought I needed it. As I was about to shoot the free throw, he'd say, focus, Caleb, focus. And he'd yell it out in the gym. And he was there every game, season ticket holder, focus, Caleb, focus. And he'd yell it out. And I'd be like, what? And every time he'd say it, I'd lose focus. I'd be like, shut up, you know. But how many know in this season... We need focus more than ever before. I think the reason we've lost hope is because we've lost focus. The reason we lost faith is because we've lost focus. The reason people aren't going to church anymore is because they've lost focus. The reason people aren't watching online or showing up in person is because they've lost focus. Why? Because it's easy when all the things of this world come against us that we would lose focus. Abraham loses focus. See, God tells him, he says, I'm going to make you into a great nation. Your, your descendants will be as numerous as the stars. But after a few years go by, Abraham's like, God, I, I'm getting older and I was already old. My wife's getting older and she was already old. Like, this doesn't make sense. And so he says, I got to take matters into my own hands. And so his wife says, take my, my servant and lay with her and you can have a son through her. And he does. Why would he do this? Because he lost focus. Because it's easy when circumstances don't match up to what we saw or our plans that we would lose focus. And some of you have lost focus in 2020. Some of you have lost focus in your faith journey. You've lost focus in your walk with God. And God wanted to remind us today that we would stay focused. Because time is the true test of our faith. Can we stay focused even when things don't make sense? Can we stay faithful even when things don't follow the pattern or the process that we thought it would have? Consistency. Focus. Because fear wants to control our path. But faith follows God's path. Jesse, come up here for a minute. Help me. I'm going to have Jesse come up. I got some chairs behind me. So I want you, you look good today, by the way. Yeah, man. I want you to tell me, if you had to pick which chair to sit in, which chair would you pick? Okay, so he picked the velvet green chair. Why would you pick that chair? Okay, he said it looks the sturdiest. Why else? It's got velvet. Yes, so true. It's gold-plated. <laughs> and it's big, so it can hold you. You're, you're a solid boy. Yeah, yeah. You hit the gym. Let me check. Yep, okay. I was thinking about it because, I, I mean, so often 
There's paths laid out for us by God. And we're always going to pick the path of least resistance, the path that makes the most sense to us, the path that looks the safest and the sturdiest. But what if I told you that this was the chair that God had for you, that this was the chair that God wanted you, the path that God wanted you to take? Would you take it? He said, because God said, but I wouldn't really trust it. So often, we're presented in life with what we see makes the most sense and what God says make the, makes the most sense. And we have to decide, are we going to follow our plans, what we see, or are we going to follow what God is asking us to? So what if I sat in it? Would that help you? Okay, it might help him. It might help them. I, I don't really trust this thing either, but I'm trusting God today in Project Church. I don't know if we weigh the same much, same amount, Jesse. You might have a little more on me. Does that help you feel like you could sit in it? So here's the thing I think. I think so often we pick this chair. But how many of you know once you sit in this chair, you get comfortable? Once you sit in this chair, it's harder to go to one of these other chairs not only that, but if you fall out of this chair, you know you actually fall further than if you fell from this chair. And so maybe God's going to hold you up. Maybe, maybe you will fall. But maybe he's teaching you something. Maybe he's got you positioned exactly where he wants. So come on, Jesse, give it a shot, bro. Let's see. Let's see. Take it easy. Take it easy. I just want you all to know. This stool, I looked on the bottom, certified no more than 200 pounds, Jesse. <laughs> Give it up for Jesse. Come on, go sit. It held him. I want to encourage us today that we would follow the paths and the plans that God has for us. Ridiculous faith doesn't always make sense in the natural. Ridiculous faith doesn't always make sense even to us. But it's about what is God calling us to do? What steps is God calling us to take? What path, what chair is he asking us to sit in? Because when we sit and go where he wants us to go, we're always positioned perfectly for the purpose that he has for our lives. So my challenge to us in 2021, we said 2021, an essential Reckless faith, a 2021 essential. Now, more than ever, do we need the church faith-filled, hope-filled, believing for greater things, greater things in their marriages, greater things in their jobs, greater things in their city, greater things in their homes, greater things for their children. We need to believe that our children that have ran from God are coming back to God. We need to believe that those prodigal sons and daughters that have left the church are coming back to the church, that the millennials are coming back, that the boomers are coming back. We need to believe that this virus is not going to be the end of us, but God has taught us something through it. We need to believe in 2021 once again that we would have faith like never before, a reckless faith, because when there's a church filled with faith, let me tell you, we influence a culture for the better. The church a faith-filled church can change the atmosphere of a city. 
And I think the church in this season has been defeated, destructive, depressed, discouraged. We've been kicking our own when we're down. And today, we're going to walk by faith. Not cynical, not critical, but faith-filled, hope-filled, believing the best in others and believing the best in what God has for our future. So I'm calling us today, church, 2021, reckless faith, reckless faith, ridiculous faith, that you would walk it out. Can we pray today? Bow your heads with me across this room. I believe there's somebody in this room or watching online that needs Jesus. You heard me talk about the Abrahamic lineage, the nation of Israel, the descendant of Abraham that was Jesus, that God chose this man to usher in his people and his son. And today, if you're in this room, I want you to know, if you're online, I want you to know Jesus came to seek and to save everyone who's lost. And maybe you felt lost this year. You felt lost in your life. You've been running from God. Today's your day to come back to faith, to come back into relationship with a Savior that loves you and knows you by name and has plans and purposes for you. So if you're in this room and that's you, you need Jesus for the first time, you need to recommit yourself, you need to come back to Him. If you're online, I want you to lift your hand. One. On the count of three, lift your hand. Two, three, shoot it up real quick. Yes, 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 yes. Come on, church, give God some praise. Hands going up in the room. I believe people are responding online as well. You can put them down. Everybody pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, thank you for dying for me, for coming to save me and everyone. I confess my sin. And I receive forgiveness. I ask you to move in my life, to increase my faith, to give me the trust that I need to have. I love you, Jesus, and I pray this in your name. Amen. Come on, let's give God some praise in this place for all these people that responded to salvation. This is the best decision you could ever make. The Bible says that when one name is added in the book of life, the angels in heaven rejoice. We're rejoicing with you. Heaven is rejoicing. Would you stand to your feet, church? We're gonna sing one last song. As we do, our prayer team is down here. If you need prayer for an increase of faith in 21, if you're walking through a situation and you need to hope again, I wanna ask you, if you raise your hand, I wanna ask you to come forward for prayer. They'll encourage you pray over you but let's sing this song before we go let this be a declaration that we will have faith no matter what come on lift your voices church sing with us hey thanks so much for tuning in to the project church podcast we pray and hope that this message encouraged you built you up and gave you life we want to ask that you would invest right now in what god is doing here in downtown sacramento we've just recently moved in to our all-new building in the waterfront old sacramento district we want to ask you, if you'd like to give, you can go to projectchurch.com forward slash give to invest. Let's see all that God can do through us.